Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we got a great show for you. We're talking about St. Joseph and all things fathers. Yeah, we're going to talk about some interesting facts about the foster father of Jesus. We're going to talk about the grandfathers of Jesus. And we're going to let you know why St. Joseph is known as the terror of demons. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. Good to be back in the studio with you guys, Ryan mm-hmm. Shield, Father Pagano. I'm Ryan Delacross, and uh, Ryan, Father, Ryan, Father, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. It's good to be back with you guys. Oh. Nice little, uh, nice little setup we got here yeah, in those, Houston. Yeah, in the Youth Catholic Studios. Now, Father, this is this episode's about Father's Day, and uh, Happy Father's Day. How often do you get yeah. wished for a Happy Father's Day and being a priest? Not, not often. I mean, That's people, a shame. yeah, people do. Every now and then, people will say, "Hey, Happy Father's Day." Um, and certainly some of the, the kids that I've worked with over the years that are now into college or out of college, they'll, they'll send me a message. You know, they used to call me Papa back in the, um, back at St. Joe's nice. days. Hold on. I don't, I don't see a white, uh, no, there's yeah. not that type of Papa. No, not, not Il Papa. That. Yeah, not Il Papa. No, no, yeah. just like, it was funny. I, I was at St. Joseph Academy. We're talking today about St. Joseph and it's the oldest Catholic high school, certainly in the state of Florida and one of the oldest in the country. And I got to work there, newly ordained. And I went in and I met with all the administrators and they were like, what do you want to go by? Do you want to go by Father Pagano? Do you want to go by Father Richard? And so I'm like, look, the kids are going to wind up calling me whatever they're going to call me anyways. So I really don't care. So they were like, well, just go with Father Pagano. I said, that's fine. So they, you know, sort of Father Pagano, Father Pagano, and all of the official things. By the end of my time there, most of the kids were calling me Papa, so cool. which was really endearing, you know, and, and cool. that type of fatherhood that's in the priesthood is certainly something that's rooted deep down inside yeah. of the qualitative sense of my love, mm-hmm. and it's overwhelming sometimes. So when I look at St. Joseph, you know, St. Joseph himself is the foster father of Jesus, you know, that's one of his titles. But it's hard to really identify what that meant spiritually to him and how overwhelming that was. He was such a humble and just man that he would receive that call to be a father to Jesus, a father to the son of God. You know, and that's how I feel in a sense, you know, not as, you know, definitely not relating, but but it's the same type of entrustment, you know, and and it truly is humbling. So thank you for, for with me. But guys. You guys are fathers of children, and yeah. you both inspire me tremendously how you live out your fatherhood. Hi, Chloe and Johnny. <laughs> Hi, all my kids. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even really. <laughs> <laughs> all the kids in the credit. <laughs> <laughs> just keep rolling and rolling. Yeah, um, no, I mean, I, one of the things that I really like about St. Joseph, because, I mean, my, m- I had my conversion on his feast day on March 19th, mm-hmm. you know, just a, a month or so ago. And... um didn't really. Not, you were converted a month ago. Years ago. <laughs> yeah, years ago. Yeah. St. Joseph. St. Joseph. No, Just can... in case anyone thinks that you've been, we've been dragging you along. <laughs> yeah, I'm force, forcefully on this show. Like, yeah. I'm not even Catholic. Why am I on this show? What do we do? Fine, I guess I'll convert. So your, your conversion happened. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, it was in Daytona Beach. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, kind of living a hedonistic life and it just kind of was burning the wick at In both Daytona ends. Beach? Well, I was there for the, I don't know. I, whatever didn't, I just didn't know that she could be. It was probably like. lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Spring break, bike yeah. week, all, all, 
of those, all of those things that happened down at the waking up on the I was beach, picking up my hamburgers. I was picking up my grandma at the. Uh, uh, no, just joking. Yeah, you can imagine. That's right? this is the PG version. Yeah. Yeah, no, a family show. We overlapped quite a bit in relationship to seminary day and like discernment of priesthood. Uh-huh. Um, but also now realizing that Daytona Beach had a big pull as well on me yeah, in too. living that hedonistic yeah. life. And then there's Vince Carter. And then there's Vince Carter, I which mean, both of us have. A uh, one yeah. of our favorite basketball players. And so. one of our favorite shows on Netflix. Really. So thank you, Joseph. Thank <laughs> let's, you. let's not talk about that. He'll start crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pretty sight. Though. Inside inside baseball here, Father Rich cries in basketball documentaries <laughs> on Netflix. Not, a not a joke. I, I mean, not uh, we just, are not joking. Guys, we just blowing up my spot. Man. Oh my no. god! And it's, and it's ugly crying too. I cried with you. Once. I mean, you did. You did. Thank you for sharing. I think alcohol man. played a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> no. So yeah, I had a. Uh, well, you know, it's so funny. What's so beautiful about the humility of Saint Joseph is that. You know, when this happened, I had no understanding of the Feast of St. Joseph or anything like that. And so as my conversion just started to manifest itself more deeply in my life and I started participating in the life of the church, you know, the liturgical, you know, calendar, all that kind of stuff. It's like March 19th was a day that I always remembered. Mm. And then it was like his feast day. And then so it was kind of coincidental. And then over time, I realized that he was a very big part of this and and so I named my first son Joe, you know, and um, but Joe's your clone. Joe is he is my he is clone. Clone. I was talking to him this morning, and he it's like talking to you without the grizzle. <laughs> <laughs> it's, still, grizzle? it's it's you with all the. Uh, He's more polished. He is. Yeah. Oh, we got that. Yeah. Well, I think he may be able to get through the seminary, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a good way to, to put it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, um, no, what, what always strikes me about Joseph is just his humility. Just like, I mean, like Mary is, is front and center with, with our faith, right? She, she appears to people. There's miracles. I mean, she's just our mother, right? Mm-hmm. And, but, but, you know, we have this great defender of the church, this great, patron of the church, this terror of demons in, um, in, in St. Joseph. And what is it that is this terror of demons? It's humility. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, cause, the, cause the devil, you know, the devil can't do anything with, with humility. It, it's actually, it's actually the one thing that sent him away from God, right? Is because why am I taking, yeah, it's his pride. It's like, why am I taking care? Why am I working for you for these little meaningless people when we have all this power? You know, I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing a conversation that he had with God. Right. Uh, <laughs> But you know, but, but it is, it is the, it's the, it's the, it's something that we should all strive for. I think just as, you know, just people practicing their faith, you know, and especially as a priest and, and things like that in your ministry, just in re- encouraging that and people just to allow God to work more in your life by not, by keeping that humility and knowing that God has a plan for you, knowing that God has, you know, that, that if you trust in him, good things will happen. Okay? Yeah. The whole idea that he's the terror of demons is at first when you first encounter it, maybe seems a little bit hmm. like like wow, a movie, a little bit strong. Like this is the terror of demons. Like you normally would think, like Schwarzenegger dressed up into smoke <laughs> and stuff, right? <laughs> but it's you know this this hum, this the humility that um, he had terrifies demons to the point where they they flee from him because that humility, that ability to let God be first, that ability to let others be first, to serve, that's what makes saints. And that is what Satan does not want us to be. He does not want us to be saints. 
And that's what terrorizes demons. It's it's so powerful. Yeah, and mm-hmm. ordinary people can be saints. So right. That's what's and all they have to do thing. is be humble. Yeah. And, and follow God's will. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of begin and contextualize this episode for you on Saint Joseph and fatherhood, well, we want you to make sure that you're following us on all of the platforms from Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, but also connecting with us through all of the various ways that we could get this material to you from YouTube visually, but then we have Spotify and Stitcher and so many others, Google Play. And we want you to go to CatholicTalkShow.com and make sure that you're subscribing and sharing the show. And guys, if you could continue to support us as we build out this show and reach as many people as we can so that we could form that sense of community so that none of us are walking in this faith alone, please go to Patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show and think about supporting us in one of those tiers of support. Thank you so much. So where are we jumping off into right now, Ryan? So we're the Catholic Talk Show, right? Yep. And what do we do? We talk. All, all, all day long. Everyone's out there like, oh boy, these guys <laughs> talk. Blah, blah, blah. But um, do you know who doesn't talk? Well, at least, in the, at least in the Gospels, St. Joseph. St. Joseph. Man. He has no recorded words in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's mentioned multiple times, but nothing he ever said. My favorite quote by St. Joseph, do you know what it is? What's that? Dude, you nailed that. That was great. You nailed that, Ryan. That was perfect. I've been practicing all morning. (laughs) (laughs) No, you weren't. You were talking all morning outside. (laughs) I was was up in the morning. I spent an hour outside just... (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he never... His recorded words are never mentioned in the gospel, and I think that is so fitting for St. Joseph. He's silent, strong, protector who serves. And it's, I think... One of the signs that the gospel truly is divinely inspired, and that little wrinkle that he doesn't talk is, I think, probably more of an insight to who he is than if we would have gotten his recorded words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know from the lineage, you know, who he is, how important he is to to the line of David, the line of Abraham, the line of the fathers of the faith, mm-hmm. right? But still, even more so, that he has this prominence in the lineage but he doesn't have any word communicated. So what is being said in the silence of St. Joseph? Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And and you hit on it before, Ryan. It's like that sense of humility that is the terror of demons that drives away everything that disconnects us from God and disconnects us from one another. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, you know, there's a big crisis of fatherhood, not only in our church, but also in, in our society, society yeah. you know, and it's everywhere. It's mm-hmm. not just to the United States or just Latin. I mean, it's just everywhere. I think, you know, if if you were to to rail somebody off course for having this beautiful unity with God and their family, the father, if the father leaves, if the father is is distant from his children, his spouse, if the protector is not there, if the defender is not there, there is a void in our lives. We, we have a, we have God the Father. We have, you know, um, you know, the, the spouse of the Holy Spirit. We have priests who are fathers. Like this is, this is a very distinct gift that is imparted on us through, through the reality of who God is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think a lot of, I think a lot of people suffer. My wife is one included of, you know, having fathers that just left, mm-hmm. you know, and just upped and left and, you know, and just being married to somebody like that and just watching her go through this beautifully, you know, it, it it's, 
it's just it's just the power that a father has mm-hmm. over children, mm-hmm. and it can be abused and misused, and and you know yeah. it's very important that a lot of people suffer from that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of the lack of fatherhood in our society is that men are no longer willing to be a protector or to be selfless. It's a selfishness where, I mean, I know as a father, you have to die to yourself a lot of times to put others first, and our culture does not promote that. Our culture says, me first, me first. What do you need to do to make yourself happy? And fathers, like in the example of St. Joseph, um, really need to put themselves last, and they need to lead from behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, not from in front, not from a point of of, of pride or of dominance. It's not like um, the negative aspect of what people think of as the patriarchy, where it's dominating, saying, and dictate. It is, it's leading from behind. It's caring. It's making sure no one's left behind. It's making sure that, um, that everything that is needed is there and, and behind you is protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recall growing up, you know, my grandfather played such a huge role in my life. And from my earliest memories, I don't have any recollection of living with my biological father. Mm. And thank God I have a great relationship with my dad. Um, but my sense of fatherhood was to a man that wasn't my biological father. Yeah. He was my grandfather. And he raised me. He was there. You know, when I came home from school, I know that he was there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, when I woke up early morning, I had to walk to the bus to go to school. He would walk with me, you know, and my grandfather, same way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the fact that, and that's why I wear his dog tags around my chest every day and, and I carry his, his uh, driver's license with me nice. where I go to, but you know, like you try to get into bars, like the old. <laughs> yeah, trying to get like, into no, the ID. He's going to the bingo hall. He's, he's like, like, hey, here can we I go. get the early bird special? <laughs> <laughs> the early bird. I get my free cup of you heard it first here on the Catholic Talk Show. Oh. But you yeah. not serve this man $3 bacon and eggs. <laughs> yeah, it's like a picture of my face. And like somebody wants to confiscate my grandfather's driver's license. Oh, that's funny. So, you know, the, the sense that I had coming home was always a sense of I'm protected, I'm cared for, I'm safe. And... That in and of itself, that that sense, man, does that that's so. And you guys probably don't even think that you're providing that in your own homes to your own children. You know, I try to consider that, and I try to really put that into perspective to understand. And I try to reflect on that 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 my role as a father is making a profound impact on my children mm-hmm. and understanding how I behave and the things I do and the things that I do that I don't want to do, mm-hmm. like. If I, it's showing them a good example that hopefully they'll say when they get to a point in their life, like, this is what a good man does. Mm-hmm. So whether my daughter is finding that in another man that she ultimately marries or my son um, is looking for someone to emulate, it, it's it's a conscious effort to make sure that you are providing that fatherly guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've even um, talked to a friend of mine who has had a couple of divorces and, and relationships where you know, the men just kind of just backed out of the, all the responsibility with her children and left her single. And 
you know, and I even told her, I was like, look, you know, we're really close friends. You're close to my family. I was like, you meet somebody else, you know, you need a guy to step in and make sure this guy's legit. I'm not saying that you made a mistake or anything like that for whatever it's worth. Like I will, I'll be that person for you. Right. I'll, I'll gatekeeper, be the protector, you know, like, cause I mean, she, I don't know. It's just, I think, I think, you know, and in the divine plan where Christ became man, um, that God would recognize that there would be that need for a foster father. Yeah. I, you know. The thing that I think of too is, is what spawned out of it is like our sense of own, our own insecurity. Yeah. You know, how often do I find myself, you know, measuring my, my priesthood to people that I, I really admire and like I don't measure up or to like a Saint Joseph, you know, I, I don't measure up. And a lot of us do have those different insecurities that we try to filter through our heads. And so many of the couples that I've had the privilege of working with, married couples, you know, how many divorces happen because there's not a priest in their life supporting them, yeah. caring for them, right. making them feel safe. You know, the role of the priesthood is so important. And each and every couple that's ever come to me with serious marital problems that ordinarily will lead to divorce 100% of the time culturally, because I'm there to receive them, pray with them, and be a father to them, even if they're older than me. Yeah. To be a father to them, it gives a sense of that I'm being cared for, I'm safe, I'm okay. Yeah. And <clears throat> and people need to be heard. Mm-hmm. And, and a father is there to listen. And St. Joseph emulates that beautifully. He is constantly receptive. He is constantly listening. You know, and, and I think of the importance of the complementarity between the fatherhood of the office of the priest, but also the fatherhood that you guys live out. We need each other. Yeah. We need each other in that, mm-hmm. in that regard. And, you know, we need, we need women. We need to be espoused. You know, you're espoused to the church. You know, we're espoused to the wife to make a father. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's a very big part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just to, the role that my spouse plays in my fatherhood, mm-hmm. right? The role that Mary played in, in Joseph's fatherhood, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's, uh, you know, we're talking about form here. And then another thing is like, you know, there's no instant gratification, mm-hmm. you know, of being a father. It's not it's like not. you don't like check the box, daddy. Oh, mm-hmm. see you later. It's, it's nonstop the rest of your life. I'm I'm just a father for 10 years. So, I mean, I can imagine there's a lot of men that are out there, maybe even listening to the show that are like, man, it's, it's, you know, it's a long road, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever ends. I had one of my kids text me the other day. Whenever I say one of my kids is one of the kids that I worked with, you know, in youth ministry and, and through high school and college and stuff. And she messaged me and she said, you know, I'm so sorry that I was, I was rude and dismissive of what you were sharing with me, you know, and and I encourage. Well, and the thing is, don't is a like, lot of people say that to you. I, I respect. <laughs> <laughs> Most people just aren't listening. I'm like sitting up there preaching, and preaching, and they're like. <laughs> but Sorry, no, I was playing know, my game during mass. <laughs> Sorry, I was that's Del across on his cell phone. Snap like I know you're playing golf class right now. No, I y'all took my phone from me. How am I supposed we, we to get take, the We did take your phone, and if you're good. As fathers, back, yeah. as fathers, we will reward you with your phone back. You'll get your back. At, you'll get it back. Okay. At the end of the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know, no. Like, and I, I responded to her. I'm like, look, I care about you. I love you. Like, no worries. You know, I understand where you're coming from, and I understand the emotional distress of where you are. 
it's not that I'm looking for the reward that, oh, thank you so much for being a father to me or, you know, a spiritual father to me. I'm not looking for that because it's called to that constancy of fatherhood and and the steadfast nature of always being paternal and being present. So St. Joseph. Now, we know he's the patron saint of the the universal church, and we know he's the terror of demons, but uh, St. Joseph is the patron saint of a lot of things. So here's some of the things that St. Joseph is the patron saint of. So he's the patron saint of the unborn, of children, of fathers, of immigrants, of pilgrims, travelers, carpenters, realtors, um, against doubt and hesitation of a happy death. Mm-hmm. And a whole slew of countries and cities. And happy death. Wait, hold happy on, death. hold on. Don't don't finish with that. A whole slew of countries and cities. Italians, bro. Dude, we have the He's biggest parades. You think St. Patrick yeah. is good? I mean, like come the on. parade. I, I I don't know anything about this. You left that out on purpose. Yes, he did. I didn't. I didn't. Patron saint of Italy. <laughs> Get it right. You guys have like 37 patron saints. You guys are. That's right. Yeah. And where are many of the saints located underneath tombs and and bobbleheads? Yeah. Yeah. We need a St. Joseph bobblehead. We do need a St. Joseph bobblehead. I agree. But his head won't move because he's not saying anything. He's got a lot of. His staff will move. He's just listening. He's got a lot of responsibilities. Definitely has a lot of responsibilities. Yeah. So, and him being the patron of that many things, I think, again, is a, is a hallmark of his, his fatherhood. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you got to bury the, uh, the the statue, right? Let me say this. Is that, uh, this is, no, that's drives a, that's why he's the patron state of real Why would you want to bury him? Well, so many people do. And they actually make these statues of St. Joseph to sell your house. And on the back, they're like, bury him upside down in the ground, blah, 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 blah. And people will come up to me and say, Father, could you bless it? I'm trying to bless my, I'm trying to sell my house. I said, I will bless this statue, but I will not bless it if you plan on putting it in the ground. (laughs) And they're like, what do you mean? That's what you have to do. I said, no. I said, I'll bless it. You put St. Joseph in a place of honor in your home. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And then when he sells your house. When he sells your house, you take that statue and you put him in your new house in a place of honor and you keep him there. So that tradition. So St. Joseph is the patron saint of realtors. Um, but that tradition comes from a few hundred years ago. There was an order of religious sisters and they were looking to acquire land to be able to build a convent. And they prayed and prayed and this land they prayed they didn't bury a statue of saint joseph upside down they prayed and prayed and prayed uh, through the intercession of saint joseph and they were able to they were given this land gifted it and they built it a, a convent and then in the construction of the convent they found a statue of saint joseph so that tradition or or that that story has morphed into this kind of bizarre superstitious practice <laughs> of, of burying saint joseph upside down so I think if people are doing it with the right intentions, you're not going to hell for it, right? You're, you're not. I don't think so. But it, if you've ever buried a St. Joseph yeah. statue. Your house is cursed and you're going to hell. No, it's not like that. But it is. it, it borders on superstition because totally. statues aren't magic. They're not. Yeah. This is not some magic ritual you can do mm-hmm. when you sell your house. Mm-hmm. You're asking for the intercept. If you don't That's have a statue problem. and you pray, it's as effective mm-hmm. or it's just as much as mm-hmm. trying to do that pious practice. No, it's so true. It's so, so true. That would be kind of cool, though. To go there on a, a pilgrimage, you know, that I, they built like a I they think built it was in like Belgium. That sounds there. awesome, man! Yeah. What a cool story! I, I've never yeah. heard that before. I'll look up the more details. We'll yeah. talk about it later. Oh, cool. 
All right, so here's another thing I want to talk about. Now, in art, St. Joseph is depicted in one of two ways, right? He's either a very young, strapping, virile <laughs> man. With like who's a really old, with like a big... Very yeah. old, like... like the guy from like, the, like the, the Wings. Right. Yeah, he looks like Gandalf. Gandalf the Grey. Yeah. Not Gandalf the White, but Gandalf the Grey. Sure. The Grey. <laughs> That brings me to another point. Now, in art, St. Joseph is depicted in one of two ways. Either as a young, strapping, virile man who could do the hard work of a tecton or of a carpenter, as was his trade, or he's depicted as an old man with a big, bushy beard, right? You know, looking like... Uh, Gandalf. Exactly, like Gandalf. <laughs> Gandalf the Grey, though, Gandalf not the, gray. Not the not white. white. <laughs> but that comes from two thoughts, schools of thought as to what St. Joseph's role was at the point when Jesus was born and when he became betrothed to Mary. Now, uh, Aquinas and Augustine, they contended that St. Joseph was a virgin. He was betrothed to Mary. He was probably about 24 to 28 at the time and had remained a consecrated virgin and died a virgin and is eternally virgin. Now, the other tradition is, and this kind of plays into... And that was never, like, held up as a dogma of the... There is no there's no evidence there's no definitive evidence or statements that that the church can state this no. but tradition holds a very important place in the church right and these are different schools and traditions that are coming and up. and because Joseph never said anything he couldn't clear it up he couldn't clear it yeah. he's like hey I'm I'm Joseph I'm <laughs> dude <laughs> one more <laughs> hi I'm Joseph I'm 24 I, I'm into carpentry and uh, worshiping at the temple I'm just I'm, I'm descended from the King David. I mean, that's a pretty good dating bio, but oh, he didn't yeah, need to yeah. do that. So, yeah. So any girl would have been mad over him. Right. Let's face it. Yeah, descended of David. What? <laughs> David? Are you kidding me? Come on, let's go for some falafel. <laughs> falafel? Yeah. They probably had falafel. Yeah. yeah, they definitely had falafel. Yeah, man, that's a. Yeah. So Aquinas and Augustine said that he was. They maintained through their kind of. You know, thought that he was a virgin, remained a virgin, mm-hmm. died, and was eternally virgin, remains a virgin to this day. Um, the other school of thought is that he was a widower, and he was an older widower. His wife had died, and he had children from a previous marriage, so that in the gospel, when they say, you know, is this not the carpenter's son? Do we not know his brothers, right, uh, or his siblings? These were not his biological uh, siblings with um, from Mary. These were his children from a previous marriage of St. Joseph, so they were his stepbrothers of his stepfather. Um, Now, I contend, or at least from my research, I don't think it's either of those, really. I think that those, the word um, that they used to describe the brothers of Jesus was, uh, correct me if I get this wrong in the comments, but in Greek, adelphoi, which has more of a uh, I have an idea of kinship. Mm-hmm. Of, these are my brothers. I mean, you guys are my same, brothers, right? My brother yeah. from and that's the same mother, Greek. Right. Yeah, that's the same Greek term that's used in relationship to the apostles right. as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so those are the things. So when you see Joseph as an old man, that's from the school of thought that he was a widower and had children from a previous marriage. Mm-hmm. And when you see him as a young man who's you know crushing rocks and building great carpentry, um, that he was a young virgin. So. I don't, I don't know which one I think is accurate. I picture him as both, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've always pictured him in the tradition of an older man and being betrothed to Mary as a widow, you know, as a, as a, as a widow. 
uh, or a widower, excuse me. And I see that in that sense, you know, that protective, that nurturing, that supportive, non-sexual relationship between Mary, but, you know, deeply intimate kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So I've always kind of considered Joseph in that in that manner more. Not that he was like so older than Mary, but in the context of what that would have been in that generation. He was like old like us. He was he was old like us. In our late thirties or Yeah. Over forty. <laughs> strapping. Strapping. You're yeah, you're the perfect mix of Saint Joseph's. You're old as dirt but you're still is, strapping. Is this the uh the, the Talladega Knights version of when they <laughs> talked about what they thought about Jesus? Because now we're like I pictured Joseph as a big strong man. Saint Joseph back. old grandpa Saint Joseph sell my house. So, some gray in your beard, St. Joseph. <laughs> but still strapping because you've been lifting a lot of rocks lately. 84-year-old, just on the verge of middle age, St. Joseph. But you can still get work done. Help me fix my toilet. This thing is not working very well. Hey, man, let's eat some Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think it is like that. That's a good point. Yeah. Where's mm-hmm. Chip when you need him? Oh, right. oh. So Shaking and baking. Yeah, so like his, um, you know, it's it's in one of the readings, he he was already betrothed to Mary mm-hmm. before yep. she... And that was like the know. Jewish custom. That, yeah, that's what I was asking, yeah. is like, what does that mean, right? Because she was 14, he's betrothed to... I think matchmaker, matchmaker, right. you know, from the fiddler on the roof. But that was a big time in the tradition yes, of Judaism. Okay. Yeah, so that that would happen. Uh, and be, you know, yeah. Well, and there's lineage, too. Now, you know, you see lineage in... Um, in the Saudi sheiks, mm-hmm. you see lineage in, in Niger- the Nigerian communities Nigerian as well. Community, oh, for England, sure, and so many. You know, so uh, I mean, in the, India, yeah, mm-hmm. and so a lot of a lot of people are um, put into what you would consider lineage marriage yeah, and arranged. Lin- you know, yeah. that, that's a big deal. No, according to some traditions, the way that Joseph met Mary mm-hmm. uh, is. How Jesus, how I met your mother, St. Joseph did oh, that. Yeah. It's not. But um, one of the traditions is that one of the high priests of the temple played matchmaker for them. And he had a vision, probably of one of the archangels, I would assume. Gabriel, probably. Yeah. yeah. Gabriel. He didn't have the headphones on like he our Gabriel over no. there. Gabriel's we put him on not him. to hear us. <laughs> but. <laughs> so, no, one of the traditions was that uh, one of the high priests had a vision and that. Um, in his vision, he said, look, there's this girl who is a consecrated temple. You know, she's a consecrated virgin. She was consecrated at the temple. And um, bring all the widowers to me, and I'm going to pick a spouse for this girl. And that's how they were kind of, their arranged marriage happened. Hmm. Now, whether or not that's true, that's all extra biblical. You know, I think it might be in the proto-evangelo of James. Mm-hmm. But that's that. That makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it does. But, but we don't end, know. At the end of the day, there's no dogma. It's all just Con, yeah. conjecture. Yeah, conjecture, but also not conjecture like, oh, but we can actually pray with this and meditate on it and devotionally look at the traditions and, yeah. and really get a greater picture of St. Joseph. And in the development of that intercessory relationship that you can have with him, yep. you could really start picturing him in these different, uh, you know, in these different elements and, and different scriptural circumstances. Charismas. The charismas. And who is yeah. that in, in your life? Who is St. Joseph in your life? Yeah.
You know, I, I remember I was going through a really difficult time in recent history in my life and, and uh, just really trying to look for that vision. Like, Lord, I'm, I'm looking for the vision of, of how I am to live my life and the work that, that I'm called to do. Because as a priest in my fatherhood, I get pulled in so many different directions. It wasn't clown priest, was it? No, that has never been a consideration, actually, okay. in my fatherhood. <sighs> I've never thought of putting on a clown outfit and, and uh, doing anything like okay, that. Okay, I just, so, just check it. Just to kind of put that in. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I yeah, I, I was really struggling and, and did the novena uh, in March to St. Joseph, as important the feast and solemnity of, mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. St. Joseph is for you, Ryan Delacrosse. But I, I just prayed and prayed and prayed, and I woke up early morning, went out to the mission grounds in St. Augustine, which is a very special place. It's where the first community celebrated Mass in the first city of the United States of America. It's where the city was founded by a Mass and the establishment of the cross, which is really interesting. Uh, but I was out there early morning for sunrise, and I went to the statue of St. Joseph to, to conclude my, uh, my novena. And just the peace that I got, you know, the, uh, the surmounting peace and that sense, once again, of, like, safety, of belonging, I'm where I need to be, and and the waiting that comes in silence, the humility that develops in that, to wait on the Lord, like it just settled everything inside of me and all the ambitions in my in my heart and my soul. So Saint Joseph in recent history has got me through some really really uh, distinct issues and 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 conflict. maybe we can put a link to the novena on the on the website or sure. whatever. And yeah, yeah, we can do that. All the stitchers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the stitchers. So another thing now, another thing that St. Joseph is the patron of is of happy deaths. Mm -hmm. And I would, this is something that I've contemplated a lot that Joseph is in the gospels. He's mentioned in the gospels. And then when Jesus's ministry starts, where when you jump from the childhood in the temple to starting Jesus's ministry, St. Joseph is not mentioned Mm -hmm. anymore. So you can only infer from that, that he died during that Mm -hmm. time. And, um, the impact, there's some beautiful artwork of Jesus and Mary at the, at the bedside of St. Joseph mm-hmm. when he's dying. And the Jesus losing his foster father, the man who had guided him, always has been a very powerful image that I've, mm. I've reflected on and prayed on. Um, I lost my father young. I, he was, my father was 43 when he passed away. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Too. And reflecting on... Jesus losing his earthly father and the pain he must have felt and how that would have impacted him as fully man losing his father um, is a pretty powerful thing to meditate mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And the imagery and the artwork that has been done of that is, is really beautiful. Now, that leads to the point. We know where the relics of St. Peter and St. Paul and St. James and St. John, no, it's not John, actually, we don't, mm-hmm. where their relics are. But there's no relics of St. Joseph, and that's because no one knows where his body is, mm-hmm. right? Now, there's, again, just like whether he was young or old, there's two schools of thought on that. And one was by uh, Blessed, um, uh, Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. Mm-hmm. And she had a vision that St. Joseph's body... Well, lies incorrupt in Jerusalem, waiting for a great saint to discover it just before the second coming. Mm-hmm. Now, the other one is is that... For a great saint to discover... Discover St. Joseph's incorrupt body before the second coming. Now... Whoa. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Now, I'm going to go look for it just to see if I can get it. I don't state. know. Let's I'm gonna, picturing Indiana Jones and you wearing like a hat and going in search for. Well, the you're picturing that right. Your Talladega Nights routine just went full circle there. <laughs> you know, honestly, the first thing that I can recall in my life of the Catholic faith, the the earliest memory I have of anything religious is me and my brother asking where St. Joseph was buried. What an interesting question, dude. That was the first thing that is the first thing I can remember about being Catholic. And wow. this is like maybe three or four years old. And I remember it and we're like, oh my is there a force field around it protecting it so no one could find it? And I think oh, maybe cool. one of my grandparents had told me something along this line. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's that. So possibly St. Joseph's body is lying within the city of David in Bethlehem or in Jerusalem, incorrupt waiting for the second coming. Now the other school of thought was St. Francis de Sales and Pope St. John the Twenty-Third, who both argued that, like Our Lady, upon his death, St. Joseph was assumed, that his assumption actually preceded the assumption of Our Lady. So those are the two things now. And what would that I, be? I've heard that one, but Anne Catherine, that, that, that sounds so much cooler. Like, she, well, assumption's that. pretty cool. That's a, that, assumption's very cool. Don't get me wrong. Right, right. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, the it, fact it, that it this would be my discovered inner... by a saint in, in the history of yep. the church and that this would be a monumental discovery. I don't know. When you said it, I mean, the, the spirit, the Holy Spirit just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm Let's go get our whips and our fedoras. <laughs> Dude, I'm told. I'm Let's told do it. Now. Let's make it happen. So, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure which one I think is more likely, but I definitely agree with you that the my inner Indiana Jones is calling for us to go there. For you sure, know, yeah. one of her visions was the inspiration for Mel Gibson's passion. Yes, yeah, for sure. I had that book. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Yeah. yeah, she had the stigmata. I mean, mm-hmm. she had a, a really, she had a lot of suffering in her life, and I think a lot of her visions were, were very pungent. Mm-hmm. They were just, like, very acute, mm-hmm. right? So... So but with visions, you can't really say, hey, every time somebody has a vision, the church is like, yep, well, it's true. It's, yeah, it's just it's private revelation. It's private revelation. And then the church yeah. has the task of being able to study that extensively mm-hmm. and then look at and look at it in the context of revelation, look at it in the context of scripture. And does it fit the tradition right. of what has been revealed? So they're very careful about approving different private revelations as well as canonizing a number of people yeah, to protect, for that same, yeah, yeah to, protect to protect the, the faithful, integrity of that lineage. Protect the integrity, yeah. yeah, sure. yeah. So... Another thing to consider is when where was our Lord born? Our Lord was born in Bethlehem. Right. Why Bethlehem? Why not Nazareth, where they are from? Why not? Well, it means to eat some bread, right? Bethlehem. Yes, it does, but that's well, not the reason. Right? When it was, but hey, it was also, it's all about the Eucharist, though. Well, I, I remember being near Bethlehem in Jerusalem, and when they talked about where David's kingdom was and where David lived. And in relationship to the person of who King David was, that the place of birth was associated with with Jesus and where he was to be born and where the where Joseph was to be enrolled as well. Right. So that, those were really, really important exactly. places and locations. So they were from Nazareth. They were living in Nazareth. But then Caesar called a census. Mm-hmm. Right. During the reign when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Right. So there's a census. So each person had to go to their hometown. Well, David was descended from King David. Joseph was descended from King David, so therefore he had to go to Bethlehem, his clan, 
home where his family is from to be registered. So that's why they were traveling to Bethlehem, and that's how that um, that uh, prophecy was fulfilled. So that does show that uh, St. Joseph was descended from King David, mm-hmm. right? But how is Jesus then descended from King David if he is not... Joseph is not his foster father. Is his foster father not his biological father? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of scholars say, well, look, Mary, her lineage is given in the Bible, and she descends from one branch of King David, mm-hmm. and that Saint jo- Saint Joseph descends from what's called the cursed line, where uh, Jeconiah in the Bible they said no king, no um, king will be your descendant, right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus was descended from the other line, so. That brings up a point then. Who are the grandparents of Jesus? How far can we really go back with it? So in, in those lineages that goes around this nativity um, narrative, in one gospel it says Joseph's father was Heli, and in the other gospel it says that his father was Jacob. Jacob yeah. So which one is right? Mm-hmm. Now, most scholars would say that Jacob was St. Joseph's biological father, and the grandfather of Jesus, well, the foster grandfather, step-grandfather, I don't know how you say it, um, but that Heli was the, I guess, how the, the line of succession would have passed to St. Mm-hmm. Joseph. So, like, when um, Julius Caesar died, Octavian, who became Augustus, wasn't actually his biological son, but his right of succession passed through to him. So that kind of accounts for the variation of him, his father having two. And names. that's that's the Jewish mm-hmm. culture. I right. mean, that's like again, we're talking lineage here. Lineage was important, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's especially in the salvation story that right. lineage goes back. Lineage to is very important. I mean, we talk about Abraham even in the readings for mm-hmm. Joe, Saint Joseph mm-hmm. on his feast day. Where do we go? We start with Abraham, his mm-hmm. faith, yep. right? And the yep. faith and what. What the can faith be done? Of our father Abraham, right. like this identification right. that's so true. Yeah, and then the faith of of Joseph when the angel tells him that Mary's pregnant, and he's like, "Whoa!" You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the faith that our that you know we're all in this lineage ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. um, as adopted sons of Christ, mm-hmm. as adopted sons of the Father, we all became part of that lineage through Christ, mm-hmm. right? You know, I was sharing before how I come from a divorced line, right? Mm-hmm. So my, my father and mother divorced when I was very, very young, don't have any recollection. But what, where I've experienced the healing in my own personal life, as, as so many of the people in devotional life talk about the father wound mm-hmm. that a number of us truly have. But I think when we really look closely, even if we have the most perfect father we could ever imagine, there's still a longing for the perfection of the father. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this longing for the father to, you know, truly make up that space inside of us where Augustine qualifies mm-hmm. and says, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Yeah. It's like to rest in the father's embrace in that, in that relationship. But what I've seen in my personal life is that God has brought in so many different fathers on my journey to occupy that place and to lead yep. me to the sense of the father in heaven providing all of these different fathers in my life to sustain me, to make me strong, to make me feel secure and safe, cared for, belong, and then being able to go out in my own masculinity, my own fatherhood and live it out fruitfully as best as I can. So my grandfather plays a certain role. My stepdad plays a, a huge role, you know, and even coaches, you know, some yeah. of my coaches growing up. And I'm sure priests for you. And, and, and then Father Ted. Low, you know, and, and even my brother, Father Peter, that I'm, I'm currently with, he's 10 years older than me. And me and Ryan. Yeah. Hey. 
Let's go to the floor. Hey, I, I just, this is a great segue. You're all safe and comfortable in the Father, resting in the Father. Yeah. We're, we're about to bring the Inquisition yeah. at you right now. I'm not feeling safe. <laughs> And this one's gonna. This is in uh, the spirit of Father's Day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So who's your daddy? No. No. I just. just, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. So in the gospel, Inquisition. In the gospel, Inquisition. Inquisition. (laughs) In the gospel. Jesus says, call no man father. Oh, yeah. I but, so, yeah. but I call you Father Rich. Yeah, yeah. Or Father Pagano in public. I don't mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So if Jesus said, call no man father, why do Catholics call their priests father? Well, first you have to look at the, the scripture passage itself. Matthew think, 23. Yeah, that's good, dude. That you're, were you raised by the Baptists? No. That's what I love about Baptists, dude. They'll just throw out, like... Matthew 23. Matthew 23. What you got? No, but I spent a lot of time arguing with them online, so you kind of... Oh, so like about the, yeah. 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 So, so Matthew 23. So, first you got to look at that, because from recollection, it's all driving at the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay. And it's Jesus underscoring the importance of humility. So St. Joseph, for example, we were talking about this before. The greatest qualitative attribute of this person, St. Joseph, is his silence and his humility. And existentially, he upholds fatherhood over the Son of God himself. So there's there's fatherhood in that. That's fascinating in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But even to, to associate it, our father Abraham the fathers of of Israel, you know, Israel, Jacob, and, uh, you know, the the fathers of the covenant, even Noah in that sense. But that's all Old Testament. Why? That's Old Testament. Testament. So even in New Testament, Joseph occupies that space without a doubt. The Blessed Virgin Mary occupies the space of mother that that, that then is given unto John, and John receives it at the foot of the cross in relationship to all of humanity. So some behold your mother. So now the Father in heaven is creating these roles and relationships among us, not to be executed in a pharisaical or Sadducee type of a manner where it's lorded over people, Mm -hmm. but existentially so that by the action of our fatherhood, it's lived out in a very receptive manner. And all of those things that we've been sharing this whole entire podcast, that sense of providing a sense of belonging and care and safety and and all of the other attributes of what a father is, it's more of an existential reality, not a sense of a title. So, so Jesus is underscoring, it's like, don't be searching to be like the master, the teacher, the Pharisee. The, I'm thinking of uh, Mike Myers and <laughs> um, so I married an axe murderer. I was trying oh, to yeah, yeah, remember yeah. that movie. Yeah, let's give it. That is a great giant heat. <laughs> Boy's got a big noggin on him. He's like Sputnik. <laughs> Looks like an orange and a toothpick. <laughs> Why don't you go cry in a giant pillar? Sized <laughs> pillar. But no, it's like it's Jesus is really pointing out the greatest thing that we need to employ in the roles that we play in our life. Our state of life, it needs to be rooted in humility. That is the most important part, and that is the foundation of sainthood, like you pointed out earlier. So the response to that is, I know 
when I am in the midst of celebrating Mass, I know when I'm entering into the suffering of one of my brothers or sisters, I'm entering into it very paternalistically in my heart. Not because I'm looking for you to call me father, because I could care less, in all honesty. And most of the time when I introduce myself, I say Rich Pagano. You know, and I don't want somebody to call me Father Rich or Father Pagano or anything like that, or even Papa, unless they unless they recognize that existentially in my heart. Yeah, and then St. Paul said that in the Gospel. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, in in one of his epistles. Yeah, the epistle, what was it, 1 Corinthians, Uh I think. Um, Do you remember the... the, the, I become your father through the Gospel. No, chapter, verse. 1 Corinthians 4? (laughs) So, So, yeah, even that, I mean... Paul identifies himself as father in relationship to those that he's serving. Mm-hmm. And you can even read it in all of his epistles and writing. I become your father. I it's become Father Paul of Tarsus. Yeah, yeah, it's Father Paul of Tarsus. So we even had an episode on, on St. Patrick, Pater. I want to be Father Ryan of Jacksonville. <laughs> well, you, you, well, you, you missed that opportunity when you flunked out of seminary. And moved to Houston. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> with my kids alright okay so we gotta go well, um, happy Father's Day thank you happy Father's Day to you guys all happy you Father's listeners Day, out Father. there thank and you. listeners out there we appreciate you tell your priests happy Father's Day please they do so much for you they appreciate it it takes a couple seconds uh, recognize their fatherhood in your life yeah yeah happy Father's Day Father thank you so much and to all of our viewers continue to subscribe to this catholictalkshow.com we thank you for the support and the love let's continue to grow together in this beautiful fellowship that we have going on and God bless you guys